You are listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Well, Amy and I are privileged to bring the message together today. It's always fun to get to teach together. And um, today we're continuing a series that we started last week called Emotionally Healthy Relationships. It's inspired by a course that was written by Pastors Pete and Jerry Scazzaro. And the goal of this series is to give you some biblical relational skills so that you can have better relationships and better love the people in your life. Let me ask you this question. How many of you have that section on your resume where, you know, you brag on all of your skills? You know what I'm talking about? That, like if you're a computer programmer, the part of your resume where you, you talk about the computer languages that you know, or uh, maybe all the software uh, programs and apps that you know, right? I'm proficient in Microsoft Excel, or I can know how to do Google spreadsheets or, or whatever. Or maybe you just talk about how I'm really good. I'm a really good multitasker or administrator. How many of you, you have that section on your resume? Now that's there for a reason, right? That, that is there because those skills are an indicator of your ability to be successful at work. Well, how many of you want to be more successful at relationships? Anybody? How many of you want to have more healthy, better, God-honoring, more fulfilling relationships? I I think we all want that. I think that's why we're here today. Well, here's the good news. We really believe with the help of the Holy Spirit that he can help us do that. And that's what this series is really all about. All right. So let's jump right in. So the key text for the series is a famous verse found in scripture known as the great commandment, right? So Jesus was asked, what is the most important commandment in all the Bible? And this is how he answered. Let's read Mark 12, 30 through 31. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Easy, right? We've got this. All right. <laughs> yeah. So our goal for the series is to help us learn how to better love the people that God has placed in our lives, because there's nothing more important as a follower of Christ than in growing in our ability to love. And so today we're going to dive right in and we're going to discuss the next relational skill. Are you ready? The next one is communicate with compassion. Communicate with compassion. See, communication is such an important part of any relationship, right? In fact, research continuously shows that communication is a top indicator on healthy, on how healthy a marriage is or even any relationship because Mm -hmm. the emotional connection and communication really go hand in hand. And so communication is a lifeblood in a relationship. So in a sense, communication is the relationship. And as the communication goes, so goes the relationship. It's so true. So with that thought in mind, we want to give you this first principle. And here it is. Good communication is built first on who you are and only later on what you do. Think about that for a moment. Good communication is built first on on who you are and only later on what you do. So we're talking about emotionally healthy communication today, right? Communication that flows from someone who's committed to doing the inner work, committed to allowing the Holy Spirit to work in in us, to bring about uh, healing and to bring about the fruit of the Spirit and to do His work in us. So we're going to focus first on on the who part, because really it's impossible to do everything else if we're not allowing God to to do His work in our hearts. And so the first part of this message, we want to focus on the who, 
And then we're going to get practical in the second half and talk about the what, some things we can do. So up front, we want to give you three qualities that we need to embrace for emotionally healthy communication. This is about the who. This is about us cooperating with the work of the Holy Spirit to bring about interchange in us. Three qualities that I would encourage you to write down today to embrace for emotionally healthy communication. Here's the first one. Number one is empathy. Come on, everybody say empathy. Let's empathize with each other. Empathy. Let me share a scripture with you that we've taught on in the past, but it's a really powerful scripture. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, the Apostle Paul said this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. According to their needs. So what is empathy? Empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another person. You know how I know that? I googled it. That's what it said. That's the definition. It's the ability to share the feelings of another person. It's seeing the world from someone else's perspective and understanding their needs. Not just our needs, but their needs. Here's the mistake that we continually make. We tend to assume that the other person we're in a relationship with, that they see and experience life the way we do whether we're in a relationship with them or just in a conversation with them communicating, we tend to assume that the other person sees and experiences life the way we do. See, it's like we're all going through life with a set of lenses on. I brought some sunglasses here today, and it's like we all have you know, our own lenses on, and this represents our perspective, our feelings, our temperament, our personality, disposition, our, our life experience, right? And, and sometimes we're communicating with someone, we're in a conversation, and we don't understand why they can't see it the way we see it. Isn't it frustrating? Like when they're not getting it, when they're not feeling what, what you're feeling. And see, here's the thing. We, we can't see things their way unless we see through their lenses. Like sometimes we just want to put our lenses on the other person. Well, guess what? That's what empathy does. Empathy allows us to do that. It's the ability to understand and to share the feelings of another person. So, so much of our communication is feelings management, learning to, to really understand what the other person is feeling and experiencing, asking questions like, what does the situation, problem, or event look like from the other person's perspective? How is, is his or her perception different from mine? And so to embrace healthy communication, we really have to become people of empathy. All right, so good. So number one was empathy, and number two is grace. We want to have grace. So let's look at the rest of Ephesians 4.29, and we're going to add a little section towards the end, and let's read it together. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That it may benefit those who listen. Now, from the Greek, this literally translates to, so that it, would, so that it may give grace to those hearing. Mm-hmm that it would give grace. I love that. See, giving grace means that we're going to accept the other person despite their downfalls, right? Despite their differences. And we're going to accept them just as God has accepted us in Christ, right? And see, we want people to accept our weaknesses. We want them to accept our personality differences, yet we struggle to give grace in our communication. And so the problem is, instead of accepting and extending grace, we'd rather just change them. Wouldn't that be easier? (laughs) That would be a whole lot easier (laughs) if we could just change somebody. And let's keep it real for a minute. How many of you have been in a relationship and you have tried to change the other person? 
Mm-hmm. Now, the next question is, how'd that work out for you? <laughs> Not so good, right? It doesn't work out well. And so, you know, Jeremy and I have been married 20 years, and we're still in process of learning how to give each other grace and give each That's other right. permission to be ourselves, because it's a really hard thing to do. So here's what happens when we give grace in our communication. It creates an atmosphere of safety, of acceptance, of vulnerability in our relationships. And that's exactly what we're trying to do. Amen. Yeah. Let me give you the third principle. We're talking about who we need to become, right? First, the who, the inner work, the character that the Holy Spirit wants to build in us, because that's what ultimately changes the way you communicate, the ability to communicate with compassion. The third one is genuineness, genuineness, or we might say sincerity. Uh, Jesus said this in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. He said, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. In other places, he said, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. How many of you know that what's in your heart will eventually be revealed by the words that come out of your mouth? It's so true, isn't it? And often what you say is far less important than how you say it. The tone and the facial expressions. And sometimes our tone reveals what's really in our heart, even though we're trying to say something nice. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You're trying to say it nice, but the tone and the facial expressions reveal something else. In fact, we can all spot it from a mile away when someone is, is being less than genuous in their communication with us, can't we? Like, for example, you get on the phone with a customer service rep, you know, like you call Verizon to talk about a problem you're having with your phone or your phone bill. And after a 45-minute conversation, you get to the end of it and the customer service rep says, thank you so much for calling Verizon. It's been my pleasure to serve you today. And what do you hear, right? I've been on the phone with people all day. I hate you. (laughs) That's basically what they're saying. Or you you have an argument with somebody and and they give you a less than sincere apology, right? Like, I'm so sorry that I did it that way. Next time I'll do better. It's less than genuine. Like, you you can't receive that kind of apology, right? Often what you say is far less important than how you say it. In fact, doctors Les and Leslie Parent, who uh, they're the creators of the Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts curriculum, they said this, nonverbal communication accounts for 58% of the total message. 58%. Tone of voice makes up 35% of the message. Your actual words account for only 7%. Isn't that amazing? Wow. In fact, that reminds me of a meme that I saw a while back that says, controlling my tongue is no problem. It's my face that needs deliverance. How many of you would say, pray for, pray for me, pastor? It's my face that often needs deliverance. <laughs> I think that's many of us. Why does this matter? Because genuineness builds trust, doesn't it? Genuineness, sincerity in our communication, it builds trust with people. And this is why we need God to do his work in our hearts first so that we actually want to communicate this way. This isn't something we can just force ourselves into doing. This is something that God wants to do in our hearts so that we can communicate in a way that blesses someone else, gives grace to someone else, benefits someone else. So with God's help, we are going to become people of empathy. We're going to become people of grace. We're going to become people who are genuine and sincere so that we can communicate with compassion. Amen? Okay, so that's the who part. That's the part where we say, Holy Spirit, we want to cooperate with you to allow you to do your work in us. And now we want to shift gears and talk about a few practical things. This is, this is the what part. I want to encourage you, if you're not taking notes yet, get your phone out, 
Get out the Redemption app. If you don't have that, get that from the footer of our website. There's a spot where you can take notes every week and jot down some notes today. I want to give you a few practical things that we can do. And many of these are things that Amy and I have learned and collected over the years. We are your fellow students today. We are very humbled to be giving this message on communication because we too are works in progress and we need this message as much as you. But I want to share a few things that we have collected and learned from from pastors and leaders over the years that have, that have helped us and that we endeavor to put into practice for ourselves. So a few principles for healthy communication, okay? Here, here's the first one. Write this down. Number one, we want to encourage you to make I statements, not you statements. Make I statements, not you statements. Somebody needs to write that down. It will save your life, okay? Especially if you're married, go ahead and write that down. Make I statements, not you statements, especially in the context of an argument, in the context of a conversation where you're not agreeing, where you're not seeing eye to eye. Making, see, making you statements, it automatically puts the other person on the defense, when is the last time that you accused someone with a you statement and they agreed with you? They responded by agreeing with you. For example, when you, you say to them, you never include me in your decisions. When's the last time they responded? Well, thank you so much for pointing that out and showing me how I can do better so that I can become more like Jesus. Thank you so much. When's the last time that happened? That is not what happens. What they usually do is they respond with their own you statement in return, right? Well, I don't include you in my decisions because you're so indecisive. You can never make up your mind. I might die by the time you finally make a decision. That's what they do. They respond to your you statement with their own you statement. Remember, communication is not just what's said, but what's heard. And do you know what the other person hears when you make a you statement? They hear, bl- they hear blame and criticism. And that automatically puts up a, a relational barrier in the conversation. But, but when we use I statements, something else happens. You actually invite, you invite the person to, to hear you and to understand you. So instead of saying you, here's another example. Uh, sometimes I feel left out of your decisions. Sometimes when you make a decision without me, I, I feel left out. And it makes me feel like you, you don't trust me. Do you see the difference? It invites the person to lean in and to listen and to understand what you're feeling and what you're experiencing. So man, with the help of the Holy Spirit, Lord, help us to remember in those conversations to, to make some I statements instead of just using you statements. So good. Really practical too. So let's go into number two. Number two is practice reflective listening. Practice reflective listening. So James 1.19 says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Okay, let's be honest here. We do the complete opposite of the scripture, right? Usually we tend to be quick to speak, slow to listen, and quick to become angry, right? So we're going to work on that. So let's read Proverbs 18, 13. It says, to answer before listening, this is folly and shame. See, there's a difference between hearing people and listening to them. Mm -hmm. See, communication has two parts, what's being said and then what's being heard. And so we want to do better at our communication. We have to do better at being a listener. All right, so we're going to put your listening skills to a test this morning. (laughs) This morning when you came in, our our shows passed out a little listening quiz. So if you got that, go ahead and pull it out. If you didn't get one, raise your hand, and our ushers will get one to you real fast. Um, Ushers, are you ready? We need you. Yeah, there's some hands up over here, ushers, if you want to pass them out. Oh, they're gone. Okay. They're all gone. They're all gone. We'll get you one later. Sorry about that. Okay. It's actually so posted online. Right? It is posted. Well, they're going to get it in the, the <laughs> link, but we don't. Sorry, we'll get you another one. 
So if you're joining us online, our hosts are going to go ahead and drop a link in the chat right now so you can click on that so you can follow along. So we're going to go through 10 statements. And what I want you to do is for every statement that's true for you, I want you to circle it. Okay, so circle a statement that's true. And then at the end, we're going to tally them up. And then we're going to get our total and kind of see how we're doing with listening skills. Sound good? And if you don't have a paper, you can still follow along. The words are going to be on the screen. and You can still give your tally, even if you don't have the sheet. Sound good? Okay, let's go through number one. It says, my close friends would describe me as a responsive listener. My close friends would describe me as a responsive listener. So if that's you, go ahead and circle number one. If it's not, that's okay. We're going to get to another one that applies to you in just a moment. All right, number two says, when people are upset with me, I am able to listen to them without being defensive. Can you listen without being defensive? If that's you, go ahead and circle it. Number three is, I listen not only to the words people say, but also to the feelings behind their words and their body language. Number four says, I have little interest in judging other people or quickly giving my opinion to them. If that one applies, go ahead and circle it. Number five says, I am able to validate another person's feelings with empathy. Right, we just talked about empathy. How are you doing with that one? Number six, I am aware of my defensive mechanisms and stressful conversations. This can be appeasing, ignoring, blaming, distracting, etc. So if that one's you, go ahead and circle it. Number seven, I'm profoundly aware of how the family I was raised in has shaped my present listening style. That's a good one. How self-aware are you? Number eight, I ask for clarification when listening rather than fill in the blanks or make assumptions. How are you doing with that one? All right, number nine, I don't interrupt to get my point across when another is speaking. Lord, help us. (laughs) And number 10, I give people my undivided attention when they are talking to me. All right, everybody got your scores there. So go ahead and tally them up and let's see how you did. And so listen, I took this test during the week and it was pretty eye-opening for me. I realized I have some room to grow as we all do, but this was really helpful to kind of give us a little temperature, a little gauge on how we're doing. Okay. So if you were in the highest category and you got eight to 10, Hey, I want to say job well done. You are one outstanding listener. Yes. High five. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to come find me after church because I need friends like you in my life. <laughs> so, so great job. The next category we have is the six to seven category. Um, you are a really good listener. Look, you make your mama proud. Um, you're doing a good job. Maybe a little bit of room for improvement. You're doing really good. So keep up the good work. Um, four to five. Those of you who got four to five, you're a good listener, not too shabby. Definitely some room to grow, but we're going to get there. And then we got the bottom category, which is zero to three. So let's just be real. It's a good thing you're here today. <laughs> you came on the right Sunday. If you're there, yes. Today is the day that you need to be here as we're going to talk about communication. And so here's one more step for any of you who want to go a little bit deeper as we just scored ourselves and just took the test. Um, I want to challenge you to ask maybe somebody, your, your spouse, if you're married, or if not, maybe somebody that's close to you, to rate you on how you are as a listener. See, it's one thing how we rate ourselves, but sometimes when we ask somebody else how we are, we can really good eye-opener. And here's the thing, you might actually be really surprised by your feedback, so don't be afraid, all right? So as we're talking about reflective listening, you know, sometimes Jeremy and I get caught up in what we might call the misunderstanding cycle, 
right? This is, we just keep missing each other and we're going in circles and in circles and we just can't seem to get out of it. And so, you know, one thing that typically helps us just break out of that cycle is when one of us decides to stop and to listen to the other person. And you know, it can be really hard to do that, but every time we do, we get a breakthrough because reflective listening is active listening. It's being engaged so we can accurately reflect on what was being said. And so it starts with this simple principle, listen to understand, not to respond. Listen to understand, not to respond. Now, this is something we've all heard, but few of us have actually mastered on it. So it's something that we can really work on to get better because the point of reflective listening is to let the other person know that they've been heard, right? And that they've been heard and that we understand their message. So it might look something like this in a conversation. I heard you say, and you fill in the blank, am I understanding you correctly? Right? Sometimes we have to ask. We have to recap. And when we do that, that would really give us a good temperature on how we're doing with our reflective listening. And so here's a bonus tip for you. When you're in really important conversations like this, turn off your phone. (laughs) Turn off your phone. It's so easy when we're having a conversation to be distracted by a phone. And here's the thing, when we're typing or maybe it's a computer or maybe it's TV, whatever it is, we're telling the other person that what they're saying isn't as important as what we're doing right in front of us. And so we want to make sure that we turn off the distractions, we stay clued in, and that's how it's going to really help us to connect. Because the biggest point is that we can't heal the relationship until we hear what the other person is saying. Yeah. Ladies, men, we are just not by biologically able to actually hold a phone in our hand and speak to you at the same time. Yeah. It has something to do with our wiring. It's like humanly not possible for us, all right? So we got to definitely put down the phone. You took notes, right? <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> She's going to play this back to me. This conversation is being recorded for quality and training purposes. <laughs> okay, we're talking about some practical things we can do, right, to, to put this into practice, the, to be emotionally healthy in our communication. Number three is embrace what we would call incarnational listening incarnational listening. Okay, what does that mean? Well, this is a a term that was coined by Pastor Pete Scazzaro, and it's inspired by the incarnational ministry of Jesus. So the incarnation, it refers to the theological miracle uh, that, that Jesus, who was fully God, left the majesty of heaven. He took on flesh and blood and he became a human, right? The church's belief for 2,000 years that Jesus was fully divine and fully human. Like, this is what we celebrate every year at Christmas time. Now, I want you to think about this for, for just a moment. This is such a powerful truth because the, the incarnation, what it reveals to us is that, that Jesus is not just God up there somewhere, like a distant God who's unknowable, but no, he, he's the God who came to us. He's a God who, who came to us. Jesus identifies with what it's like to be, to be human. And he experienced every human emotion that we can possibly experience. He experienced joy and sorrow and anger and suffering, like all of it. Like the incarnation is what makes Jesus so relatable. Like he's the God who has walked in our shoes. So I want you to think about that and bring that idea into our communication for just a moment. Let let me give you a few thoughts about this idea of incarnational listening. First of all, Jesus left his world. Come on, think about that. Jesus left the majesty and the splendor of heaven. He could could have very well remained where he was with, with God the Father, but he chose to give up all of the rights and privileges that, that he had in order to become one of us. And I want you to listen to what the Apostle Paul said about that, what he said about Jesus' example and how it should impact us in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. He's writing to the Philippians, and here's what Paul writes. He says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset 
as Christ Jesus. Think about this. Like Paul is giving relationship advice. He's, he's writing to the Philippians and he says, in the way you treat each other, the way you respond to each other, the way you communicate, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Verse six, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. He said, I, I want you to look at the example of Jesus Christ when it comes to your relationships. I want you to be inspired by, to be inspired by his example. He, he stepped out of the majesty of heaven, and, and he humbled himself. He took on human likeness. He emptied himself to, to take on flesh and blood. And he didn't just come as any human, but he took on the form of a servant. And he even humbled himself by going to the cross for our sins. Like this is a beautiful description of the selflessness of Jesus Christ, giving up what was rightfully his to identify with you and me. Here's the point. When we listen incarnationally, we also leave our world in a sense. We, we leave the comfort of our own thoughts and our own feelings and our own opinions and our own perspectives to open ourselves up to those of the other person. That, that's incarnational listening. Leaving our worlds, it begins take, with taking the focus off of ourselves and placing it on someone else. We have to be willing to leave our world in a sense when it comes to listening. As I thought about this, I thought about something really powerful that I experienced back in Back in 2020, when it was the height of COVID and we were still in lockdown, things were shut down. And of course, all of the racial tension was boiling in our nation. The Black Lives Matter movement was taking off and, and Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd, all that stuff was happening. And I'm in a, a group of um, pastors here in the Northeast. We're Northeast pastors who meet once a month online. And uh, there's some white in black brothers in this group, and everybody in the group, they're like, they're like brothers to me. And this particular day, um, we were meeting online. This, this was right in the middle of everything that was happening. And I think the, the Ahmaud Arbery story had just happened. And, and you could just feel like the tension and the pain in our nation. And, and I think the group that day was mostly uh, white pastors, with one of my black brothers, Mark, was on the call. And uh, when, he, when he came on, he said, man, I just can't do it today. Like, I just can't do this today. And we all knew what he meant. Like, he was basically saying, like, I don't know how I'm going to sit through this call with a bunch of white pastors who will never understand what it's like to be in my shoes, will never understand my perspective and the pain that I'm feeling. Like, yeah, we're all feeling it as pastors, but you guys aren't feeling it in the way I'm feeling it. And we were all like, man, we hear you. Like, if you need to get off the call, like, you just do what you got to do, man. And he said, no. He's like, I'm going to stay on. He's like, I need to be here today. Like, we all recognize the, the gift of relationship and, and being in dialogue. He said, I need to be on here today. And then he started sharing from his experience, and he said something I'll never forget. He said, you know, my son just got a scholarship to run track at the University of Missouri. He's like, and this is a dream come true for him. This is a dream come true for me as a father. He's like, and here I am. I should be rejoicing. He's like, but the reality is I'm scared to death to send my son away to college right now, that something's going to happen to him. That's what I'm feeling right now. And I'll tell you, every one of us, we needed to hear that more than anything else. I needed to hear that more than reading everybody's opinions on social media, more than I needed to hear the talking heads on TV, more than I needed to read all the articles that people were posting with their perspective. I needed to hear my brother's pain and leave the perspective of my world and just hear from him. And that's a picture right there, right there, church, of listening incarnationally and the impact it can have on our lives, because I've never forgotten that to this day. 
so beautiful when we do that. And so this brings us to the second aspect of incarnational listening, and that is that Jesus entered our world. Amen. Right? He entered our world by experiencing everything that it means to be human. So this means that he was close enough to listen. And the Gospels read about how Jesus spent time with the disciples, right? And he was sharing life with them. But we also read about the examples where Jesus was fully present, right? He was fully present when he was healing somebody or ministering to somebody. And he often took time to be interrupted. He didn't mind the interruptions coming because he was giving people his full attention. And it's such a beautiful example. And so I love what the author Caleb Craig writes, she says, with God's help, we can extend care with our presence. With our willingness to listen, we can reflect the love of our merciful, empathetic God by allowing his company to minister to someone who is hurting. And I love that. And you know, it reminds me of a time when I went through a really difficult season when my dad passed away. He unexpectedly had a heart attack and my family had gone through so much. Kind of leading up to that, we had a lot of death in the family and a lot of struggles and hurts. And you know, in that season, there were no answers. Nobody could explain why it happened. And so many people tried to give an answer. They gave every Christian cliche that you could say, you know, God will work it together for good and he won't give you more than he can handle. But none of those things actually helped me. You know, and what really, those moments that I remember the most where people just ministered to me were those who sat next to me and held my hand and cried with me. And their presence with me was just there that they just listened, that they let me ask all the questions and all the doubt could come out and I could have my ugly cry. And they didn't try to say anything perfect, but they were just there with me. And so I just want to encourage you today that you don't have to have all the answers to make the difference in somebody's lives. You just have to be present and listen. Yeah. And this is really convicting for me because I, I know so often just with my own kids, you know, they're, they're trying to talk to me and my, my boys and I'm just distracted. I'm on my phone or I'm busy with work. And my oldest son, Aaron, has, even has a habit where he makes me repeat back to him what he just said to make sure that I'm actually listening. And, you know, we're laughing about it, but I can just say so many times the Holy Spirit has been just gently whispering to me and convicting me, just, just reminding me, be, be fully present. Be more present even in the lives of your kids. See, Jesus was, was present entering our world and we too can do that. We can enter the world of somebody else through listening. Did you hear that? I want, I want you to get that because sometimes we feel like we're never going to get better in our communication. Maybe you don't feel like the most verbal person. Maybe it's hard to express yourself in words. Listen, you can become a better communicator just by becoming a better listener. You can enter into someone else's world and bring healing to their heart. And so we do this practically by giving the other person speaking our full attention. Couple practical things. Given that the person who's speaking our full attention, making eye contact with them, if we're constantly looking away or scrolling on our phones, as Amy talked about before, it doesn't communicate value. Another thing is we do that by stepping into the other person's shoes and feeling what what they're feeling. This is empathy again, right? This is empathetic listening. And let me help you with this. You don't even have to agree or understand what they're feeling. For me, this was a hang-up for so long in my communication with Amy. It was like, if I didn't understand it, or I wasn't actually like, you know, feeling what she, she was feeling, it was hard for me to have empathy. You don't have to understand it. You don't even have to agree to actually affirm that's what they're feeling. Does that make sense? And then the final thing is avoid judging or interrupting. Avoid judging or interrupting. And what does that mean? Well, resisting the urge to come to a conclusion before the person is done speaking. Because so often what happens is we're formulating our response in our heads, right? We're already formulating what we want to say instead of fully understanding what they're saying. And so we end up jumping to conclusions and assigning meaning that they didn't mean. And so I know we all have to do some level of interpreting when we're hearing, but we want to avoid rushing ahead 
and filling in the blanks. We really want to do better at listening. You know, a few years ago, I was on a retreat with some pastors out in Montana. And a lot of times when I get into a setting like that, man, I, I just get energized and I want to talk and I want to share things that I've learned and share my experiences and, and my opinion. But I'll never forget, I was out with a bunch of pastor, pastors and the Holy Spirit just began to gently whisper something into my soul that it actually, it actually brought me to tears. And I wrote a note in my phone and I still have it in the, in the notes app of my phone to this day. And I want to read it to you. Here's what I wrote down. We struggle to love people because we don't know them. We struggle to know people because we don't take time to listen to them. If we would listen more to people, we would learn more. We would learn so much from others and their life experiences and perspective, and we would love people better. And I wrote down these three words, listen, learn, love. Listen, learn, love. And I can't tell you how many times since that retreat, the Lord has brought those words back to me. When I'm in a setting about with other people, a group of people, he'll just gently remind me, listen, learn, love. Like, just be quiet for a little bit. Be humble. Hear other people's hearts and watch what I can show you. Watch what you can learn. The author David Augsburger wrote this. He said, being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they are almost indistinguishable. Think about that for a moment. Imagine what our relationships would look like if we, if we listened to communicate love. <laughs> Simply put, we really can't love well and listen poorly. We can't love well and listen poorly. And I, I'm convicted even as I say those words today, but it's so true. Mm-hmm. So true. All right. So we have one more principle for you. This is a bonus one. Um, it's simple. It's powerful, but it can be hard to do. But I have faith in us. We can do it. So number four is apologize when necessary. Apologize when necessary. Ephesians 4, 26 to 27 says, Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Ephesians 4, 32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So it's simple. If we want to have emotionally healthy relationships, we have to apologize. So here's an idea. Why not go all out and win the award for being the first one to apologize all the time, right? We could do that because a sincere apology just entails honesty, accountability, and willingness to change. So it's not like this. It's not, I'm sorry, but... Have you ever been on the other receiving end of an apology like that, right? The but Mm -hmm. comes into play and it doesn't (laughs) feel sincere. It's really frustrating, right? So it's more like this. I'm sorry for what I did. I'm sorry for what I said. Will you forgive me? To apologize is to verbally repair the relationship. And so the reality is we're going to mess up, right? We're going to fall short. We're going to even forget some of these principles, but we can always remember to lead the way in repairing the relationship by apologizing first. Amen. If you don't remember anything else you said today, that, that one principle alone will bring healing to your relationships. Win, win the relationship by being the, first, the person who leads the way and apologizing first. Amen? Come on, church. This is so important when it comes to having emotionally healthy relationships because, as we said before, as the communication goes, so goes the relationship. In, in essence, the communication is the relationship. You know, last week I encouraged you to think about one relationship in your life right now where you're experiencing some disappointment. Do you remember that? Today, I want you to think about a relationship where you're experiencing difficulty with communication. Come on, why don't you just bow your head for a moment. Just close your eyes just for a moment of reflection here. I want you to think about one one relationship in your life right now where you're experiencing difficulty in, in communication. Maybe there's been some tension. Maybe there's been some arguments. Maybe there's been misunderstanding. There's been hurtful words. There's been tempers flaring up. Some of you right now, it's easy. A person comes to mind, a conversation you had, this week comes to mind, maybe even this morning. And let me ask you this question. 
What's something you learned today that you need to put into practice with the help of the Holy Spirit? I believe all over this room right now, the Holy Spirit's speaking to all of us and showing us different things. Something you heard today, you're like, man, that's the exact thing, the exact truth, the exact principle that I need to grab a hold of today to bring healing into this relationship. And I know there's a sense today, how are we going to do that? Pastor Jeremy, how are we going to get a breakthrough in in our communication? If you only knew how difficult it was, if you only knew how different I am than this person, our personalities are different. Our temperaments are different. You know, our sensitivity levels are are different. They're so difficult to to communicate. How are we going to do it? Let me tell you, we're going to do it in Christ, in Christ Jesus. Even as Amy read the scripture before, be, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as in Christ, God forgave you just as Jesus came to us by his grace and he entered into the brokenness of our world he entered into the brokenness of of our lives our sin our our shame we're going to do the same for others we're going to enter into the world of, of someone else come on the gospel is powerful enough to change our hearts do you believe it the gospel is powerful enough to change our, our words the gospel is powerful enough to change the way we relate to other people the gospel is powerful enough to change our hearts bring healing to our hearts today church that's how we're going to do it that's how we're going to do it come on by the same grace that was extended to us we're going to extend grace to other people i really believe with the help of the Holy Spirit, we, we can communicate with compassion. We can speak. We can listen with empathy. We can be people of grace, people who are genuine in, in our communication, and we can experience emotionally healthy relationships. How many of you want that today? Come on, how many of you want that? I know my hand's up today. We're going to just take a moment to pray into that. You can just keep your head bowed for just a moment. Let's ask God to help us with this. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us with this. Let's make it personal today. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for, God, this series, for this message today that that reminds us of so many things that we need to be reminded of today. And God, today we're coming to you asking you to do the inner work in our hearts. Some of you need to make that personal today. God, do the work in our hearts. God, do what only you can do. God, make us people of empathy. God, make us people of grace. God, make us people who are just genuine and sincere in the way we communicate. God, we recognize that we need a fresh revelation of your love. Pour it into our hearts today, God. A fresh revelation of your grace. God, remind us that, Jesus, you left the majesty and the splendor of heaven. You entered into our world. And, God, we're asking for your grace to enter into someone else's world by being better listeners, by being more compassionate. God, with our spouses, with our significant others, with our teachers, with our friends, our co-workers, our church family, our moms, our dads, our brothers, our sisters, God, to enter into their world by being better listeners and communicating with empathy and and compassion. Lord, today, God, some of us, we need to forgive someone for hurtful words that were spoken to us. I pray for for healing and forgiveness in this room. And, And God, some of us, we need to ask you to forgive us for hurtful words that were spoken from us to someone else. God, I thank you that you're working in our hearts today. God, help us to love you with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.